0: Hello and welcome to episode three of our Edelman Editions Leaders in Action podcast. I'll be your host. I'm Charlotte Lomas-Farley, Associate Director and Leadership Coach at Edelman. With over 20 years of experience understanding the drivers of trust through Edelman's globally renowned Trust Barometer, this podcast series will talk to leaders of some of the world's biggest businesses and brands to understand how they drive trust through action, examining how organisations need to be additive to the world around them and help engage on some of society's biggest issues. Today, I'm very lucky to be joined by Carolyn Dawson, CEO of Founders Forum Group. Carolyn oversees all of the company's events and businesses, as well as steering the development of its global network. Previously, Carolyn was president at Informatech, a FTSE 100 UK company championing specialists in their core markets. She was recently appointed an officer of the most excellent order of the British Empire for her services to London Tech Week, which she's led for the past eight years. Carolyn, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me,
1: Charlotte.
0: Now, let's start off by talking about you, if you don't mind. How did you get to where you are?
1: It really started by answering what was probably looked like an unassuming graduate recruitment uh, application many years ago. Uh, I felt that I didn't want to go into the norms of milk brands as they were then and to the larger corporations, and I really wanted to go somewhere where I'd make a difference from the outset. Mm-hmm. I was not a technologist, I did modern languages for a degree, and I ended up starting at Informa, where Really, we specialised on focusing on communities. But in a very short space of time, I had gained the experience of being a journalist, a research analyst, an event producer, really got into the heart of the community that we were in, absolutely fell in love with the technology and the pace of its development. And our business was so international that we had an incredible time, really, of, of, of scaling and growing and supporting the ecosystem as it grew. So I was there for, for over 20 years. 22 years, um, fabulous company with a great team and a great culture. And felt though through that sort of learning later stages of technology that I was fascinated slightly more around entrepreneurship and business and, and what technologists were actually thinking about when they were developing. And that really led us to start thinking around festivals, creating London Tech Week, building more of a sort of relationship with startups. And felt that perhaps a a shift from looking at technologies to actually helping supporting those technologies grow their businesses and scale their businesses was super fascinating. And so I joined Founders Forum about two years ago uh, to do that. And and we're here really to support entrepreneurs at every stage of their journey. And there's never one day the same. There's never a dull moment. Uh, So here I am.
0: And and Founders Forum and Informatech before that, they have both, haven't they? They, They've grown at a rapid rate under your leadership. How were you able to maintain and and build that trust with consumers, with partners, investors, employees, and so on um, throughout your time? And and what I guess I'd really like to know, were there any trade-offs, any trust trade-offs that you had to make to grow these organisations at the pace that you did? Both
1: organisations are quite people-driven businesses, not quite they are people driven businesses and actually that probably that probably leads to my natural inclination of being quite a people person mm-hmm. so our focus has really been on building teams with great energy a lot of transparency working on that journey together to sort of build build a really good team that is prepared to serve the ecosystem for the services that we're offering and i think as part of that we also have worked an awful lot with the customers on really building that journey with them and building it together. So I do think the sort of the trust is a big word, but I think the transparency of communications and setting out that vision, what we were trying to do, what we were trying to serve, understanding the needs in the market, in the ecosystem meant that actually also at the sort of same rate that technology was developing, we were developing our services and developing our offering with those customers by really building it with them. And I think that's sort of been an integral component in both businesses, really. And and now where I am today, we're really here to support the founders and support the founders and their story. And you have to do that by listening in to what they really need and then thinking around the development of our services to the community in that way. But for us, it's really started with being very transparent, building great teams, great people and high energy, and then being able to take, you know, then they can all feel empowered, I think, to take the customers on that journey as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and and for me, um, Carolyn, what I'm, I'm really fascinated to learn is, is your personal experience, your, your personal journey, what was it like for you entering the tech space as a female in a, a heavily male dominated industry? Uh, and how much do you think that's changed now?
1: It has changed an awful lot in my sort of 23 years, when I first sort of started in the tech sector, there's no doubt, the, you know, the events that we were producing were very heavily male dominated. I remember sort of standing in the keynote room of one of our broadband events, and there were 600 people in the room, two women. Wow. Myself and as sort of, um, someone that was managing it. So it was, it was hard. It was hard, I think, sometimes being sort of constantly asked where the toilets were, as opposed to the fact that you would produced all the content and were following the market and delivering trends. But it's, it has evolved dramatically. I think from a professional standpoint, I never wanted to be given a role or to develop my career because of my gender. So I always sort of sought out actually mentorship and support from others on that journey. And I think, you know, there's no doubt there are a few knocks along the way. But again, I think it's that resilience to say, I'm not
0: going to let that hold me back. Mm-hmm. So it so, kind of changed the way, do you feel that you maybe behaved in, in business?
1: Yes, I think there's, there's no doubt. I, I don't, now when I look back on it, actually at the time, I'm not sure I was as conscious. I just sort of had a very much a sort of remit of you you only get out what you're prepared to put in. And if you don't ask, you don't get. Those are two very strong values that my father instilled in me from a very early age. And therefore I sort of, I sought out the support Mm-hmm. And I stayed resilient to not letting, not letting Knox because of gender, etc., cetera, take, hold me back, I think, to kind of keep moving that momentum forward. I think there's a lot more consciousness and there's a lot more awareness. Clearly, the tech sector is still very, very male-dominated at the mm-hmm. senior levels. And until perhaps we see more change at the senior levels, then it's we're not going to really move the needle. Um, the biggest challenge is... is this sort of misnomer that to be in technology you have to be a techie. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not a techie, but I I understand because we consume it in our everyday life. Absolutely, yeah. And so I do think there is what we have to unblock to make a real difference is is the sort of getting into education level and not seeing women turn away from maths and, and girls at a very young age mm-hmm. believe that the only path to into technology is engineering because it isn't. Mm-hmm.
0: And and I guess through your work in the Founders Forum, you're connecting those young entrepreneurs, aren't you, with those established CEOs of global corporations, trying to encourage that um, enter, encourage more, both women and and, and men, to to enter into the tech space. Um, When seeking to build trust with investors, what differences are there across the different sized businesses, if you like? Presumably, there are certain nuances which need to be adopted, depending on, on how large and recognised your business is.
1: I think it comes down to, again, being able to set out the vision, set out the vision for the growth, no matter what sort of size you are. Where are you going? And, what, and being transparent about what you need to get there.
0: If we look then specifically at founders forum if we kind of dig a bit deeper into this organization what are you doing there do you think to strengthen trust uh, among your stakeholder groups whether that be customers or your employees how do you go about building trust
1: i think we do it in very much a partnerships aspect that we really do communicate and we, we like being a connector. Mm-hmm. We, we serve as being a connector really between all the voices in the ecosystem and, and what they need. And actually just being very clear around what we feel our role is in the ecosystem and what we are trying to achieve for those founders. So I, I think there has to be an honesty, humility as well. So actually being open as to where we may not be Hundred percent on point. Um, where we are still learning, and going on that journey as well.
0: So yeah, like you're saying, that the key words are honesty, transparency, and and trust is often built by businesses showing that they exist not just to transact um, with the world, but also to have that that mutually beneficial relationship um, with it. So in that way, showing it serves society, not just the shareholders. Um, how does Founder's Forum best embody this? Do you think?
1: We are ultimately a community business. We're here to help entrepreneurs at every stage of their journey. And we do that by bringing them around the table and getting them to be open about what they need and then how we can go about building that together. I think the position of business has changed. It's become far less transactional and a lot more around development and innovation together with its stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, has opened up actually how businesses develop and how they take their teams and customers on those journeys.
0: Have you got a particular highlight? I'm just I'm just interested to know if there's an example of you being that kind of connecting block, if you like. Um, it must be quite rewarding for you to be able to bring those entrepreneurs together with established CEOs and, and see what kind of comes out of that relationship.
1: Absolutely. I was given an example the other day of how, Um, A doctor and entrepreneur actually had connected with the CEO of one of the NHS trusts at our event and actually that led to them unpicking where the real pain points were around the hospital and its management and its future and actually led to them developing their own fund um, Mm -hmm. in the sense that they've now started building solutions and testing and learning within the trust itself and changed the organisational dynamics. Hearing those sort of stories for us, it's fascinating how essentially we're supporting corporates meet really innovative, agile, fast-growth companies that are providing solutions that perhaps in a sort of corporate framework are not always possible just because of the size and scale of organizations. We talked about that earlier in the sense of okay, what are the differences between a sort of large-scale corporate and some of the startups? And in actual fact, a lot of the sort of common traits around trust transparency growth teamwork resilience competitiveness they're all you know very very much the same but actually i think for corporates it's about the continuing how do you continue to embody innovation in your organization and how do you still allow for space within that we all in the pandemic had to shift and make decisions at rates which most organizations had never seen before and i think what sort of would be An absolute shame is that post-pandemic some of that is lost some of that agility some of that innovation so actually the corporates learning and understanding from some of the startups about how they're still making decisions on a daily basis still moving forward their organizations is a very nice sort of value exchange between both those groups that that we love to facilitate and see equally for those startups understanding the corporates and the partnerships and how they can scale the organisation is of immense value.
0: Yeah. And and I think it's really interesting you raise the point about the pandemic. So I'd like to go into that in a bit more detail and the effect that obviously that's had on uh, technology. Uh, Now, the latest cut from our, our trust data indicates that business leaders have a real opportunity to restore trust. In fact, it showed that 49% of people trust businesses to do what's right versus 42% for government, 35% for media. So when you look at these levels of trust, how much do you think trust in technology has changed since the pandemic? uh, And why?
1: There's, There's two very different kind of interesting angles to this. So one actually is actually understanding the shift and the change in the position of business in the world today. So I think because of all the different platforms and misinformation and so many just sort of different sources of news information now, trying to unpick what's true and what isn't, clearly there's been sort of, you know, political instability and, and so much change that, that actually the next generation are almost looking to work in business far more integral to their lives than perhaps previous generations it was a discussion actually we were just having a couple of weeks ago around this which is that business has it's almost become sort of parent pastoral etc to some of the workforces that there are today so individuals and definitely it's the next generation coming into work now are looking for far more from their businesses an integral part of their life than perhaps we would have seen previous generations where there was more compartmentalization between my work, my outside of work hobbies, my you know, my downtime, et cetera. Um, for, for the tech sector in particular, sort of the pre and post-pandemic shift, I think, has been really interesting because prior to the pandemic, I think there was a lot of work that the sort of big technology providers were doing to push the sort of PR message around. You can trust technology tech for good were, were really big slogans that were being pushed out in the sense of trying to highlight the opportunities and not just the danger around data protection and what was happening with the services or Chinese influence on our mobile networks, etc. Really though, that shift almost happened overnight in the pandemic because there was a real change in the consumer sort of outlook of understanding and realization of actually how much technology enhance, mm-hmm. enhances our lives. There were so many examples across the pandemic. We, we really actually Yeah, we, we were all there with life.
0: With, you know, with knowing what Zoom was and, and Teams suddenly integral, wasn't it, into our, into our daily lives. It just boomed.
1: And on so many levels, suddenly our ability to shop, have deliveries, have basic services, see doctors, get medical treatment, connect with our families and maintain those connections. Our learning, process has changed dramatically and so I think we really just suddenly saw a real shift in actually the opportunities that technology offer so that has been a, a big shift but you know there's no doubt that I think there's with now generative AI sort of hitting the headlines constantly there's you know there's an ongoing work right to be done but I, I do think there's been a very big shift in sort of consumer attitudes towards the trust that could be placed in technology within mm-hmm. recent
0: yeah, I want to really pick up on that point, actually, uh, Caroline, because uh, our, our recent Trust in Technology report found that tech is still the most trusted sector in business, although the cracks are starting to show as geopolitics prove inescapable, the developing and developed markets drift apart, and the sector's executive leadership appears to be somewhat disconnected um, from the public. Um, what do you think this means to be uh, then a leader? Of technology in today's world how can these figures maintain strong trust um, in the midst of these risky external factors
1: what we're seeing a lot of is a focus a focus in general reader around the threats of technology and i think what we have to do is continue and, and the big technology players have to continue to educate on the opportunities it provides it is not that ai alone is going to suddenly replicate and and remove jobs it's actually the efficiencies and productivity it can provide and enhance but but powered with humans
0: mm-hmm.
1: and working cohesively so there are you know there's still a role that texas has to play around highlighting the opportunities and taking that responsibly
0: mm-hmm. uh, and and on ai there are such frenzied debates aren't there uh, going on do you think that there is a role that AI can play in helping business build trust uh, with their users? I really do think there is.
1: Yes, I think there's there's enormous opportunities for AI to support businesses, but to offer tools to support, I think, their, their services to customers and, and to offer even more transparency to help build those sort of trust relationships. I think there's no doubt there's sort of does need to be the regulation around it, but I I think that comes down to actually the applications and where AI is used. Mm-hmm. So that's that's I think where the focus needs to be on the sort of regulation point, not just not just the yes or no, black or white answer of how AI is developed. I don't think that it's it's sensible to stop the pace of innovation. It is fast, admittedly. But I don't think that's the answer. I think what we need to focus is actually maintaining a sort of position of values, looking at the applications of AI and focusing on where it should be regulated and where there should be the sort of freedom to continue the innovation and and help business transformation.
0: And how do you think um, AI could allow businesses to better understand and personalise their products and services? Is there a, a big opportunity there? I
1: think the power of being able to provide so much more data and real time around usage, consumers, applications, which helps them the sort of development, is is you know is is unstoppable. Mm-hmm.
0: And do you think that could help um, increase levels of trust as well.
1: Depending on how customers or how businesses, sorry operate and use that and are not transparent with that usage with customers, mm-hmm. then yes. I think if it's a sort of only following data tools and analysis and not being transparent of how that data is being captured or how those the usage stats, et cetera, are being used or followed,
0: then that would cause more distrust. Yeah, because we obviously know, we know that AI does bring its challenges, there are a lot of concerns uh, being raised. Our recent Trust in Technology report found that the sector's high trust is at risk. 65% uh, of people surveyed worrying that technology will make it impossible to know if what people are seeing or hearing is actually real. How do you think then um, businesses can encourage consumers to embrace such technologies rather than be fearful of them?
1: I think it has to still come down to the education. So the education of actually where has AI been utilised in that product development or in that news information sources and and where it hasn't. So I think it's that continuous sort of educational transparency with consumers about how the AI tools have been adopted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's really what it comes down to. But even, for example, I saw yesterday, Meta had, had posted something around... Uh, actually the tools that can be used to limit usage for, for teenagers and, and mm-hmm. other points. And that's a big education component. It's not don't use the tools and just stop using the technology and the, and the services. It's actually this is how implementation can be managed. Mm-hmm. And this is what is, you know, this is where the tools have been used and not.
0: Mm-hmm. So coming down then to, to education and uh, and regulation also that, that that you mentioned. And, you know, we have we have seen how long it takes to get legislation um, through parliament in regards to technology uh, with the online safety bill, which has changed an incredible amount, hasn't it, since it was first drafted. Um, If we think about that, what lessons do you think can be learnt from from this experience when it comes to AI and regulation, like ensuring people's data is protected and that there's no harm? It's hard for governments.
1: I can appreciate this, but it's the speed. Right. The speed at which regulation is looked at and perhaps the focus areas for it. Mm-hmm. So the online safety bill, no doubt, significant importance, but it went through an awful lot of sort of changes and iterations and mm-hmm. took a very long time to come into mm-hmm. force. So I think it's behoven on the policymakers and industry to really come together so that mm-hmm. actually they're coming to the table together to inform those policies, to inform regulation as fast as possible. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then I think to focus exactly on where regulation is needed and perhaps where there can be a sort of more openness around the innovation that sort of needs to continue. But that really does require both parties coming to the table.
0: Mm -hmm. And does it worry you how just how fast the pace is with uh, with AI and how fast it's accelerating in its development?
1: Personally, I find it exciting. <laughs> I might say that as someone from the tech sector. <laughs> so I do think it's exciting. I think it's, it never ceases to surprise me how quickly sometimes a new technology can come from, <laughs> come Absolutely. from nowhere, mm-hmm. uh, even when we've been practitioners of it for years. Uh, AI has, is not a new story. Mm-hmm.
0: It, uh, it is, I guess it isn't for someone like you, but I guess for, for others who, who are so far removed from the tech space, they're only really recently coming across this, aren't they?
1: Yes. I mean, the sort of ChatGPT, the app, that's the fastest, fastest downloaded and adopted app in history. Wow. So technology does continue to break the records and break, break the rules. I do think it sort of sector looks at itself and says, OK, actually, how do we continue to develop this responsibly? And I do think actually those companies working together will instill a sort of status of trust.
0: I'd Lyle, if it's okay, just like to uh, take a, a step back and what we were discussing earlier in terms of the future of technology and how it's going to be really important to ensure that younger people coming through are, are educated, specifically in, in maths. Um, what's, what's your take on this? We know that technology is. Is, is booming. Um, we have heard from the government that there are these perhaps some suggestions that they might try and encourage more people at school age to continue to learn subjects like maths for longer. Um, do you think that, that that's needed then to meet the demand of, of technology and its growth? I do.
1: I think there are some fundamental principles. The, the ability to maintain the interest in maths for girls in particular at an earlier stage is critical so that actually we continue to see diverse thinking coming through. I think that maths and and some fundamentals are are critical in the sort of development um, of our ecosystem full stop. I'm not sure it comes down to just learning to code because the reality is with the pace of development, those languages could be very quickly out of date. But Mm, so that to me feels like the education sector is slightly just jumping on one aspect to fix a problem where I think it's broader. I do think we need to be looking at how we're teaching entrepreneurship in schools, how we're, I think, building a wider skill set to enable them enable the next generation to come into the world of work in a, in a different way than they are today. Um, I think our subject matters can be too narrow at a later stage and there needs to be a real reform in our education system. If I look at, you know, for example, my daughter's curriculum doesn't look that different to my time at school, mm-hmm. yet the world of work and the pace of technology developments and others have dramatically changed. So it doesn't feel like we're enabling our next generation, empowering them actually with the tools to really set them up for success in the future world of work. Yeah.
0: We have seen, haven't we, so so much um, recently how how quickly technology can can change and have such an impact on the way that we all work. So when it comes to having a look at the the future and the world of work for future generations what do you think that's going to look like? Is there anything that you know of in the the tech space at the moment that you're excited about or anything that's that's, that's coming up um, that could also have, have a big impact?
1: I guess excited when I start to see the new tools like Generative AI and actually there's been a sort of assumption that it will just reduce sort of lower productivity roles
0: mm-hmm.
1: or more kind of simple and basic roles within general business but actually what it's proven to be immensely valuable for is even sort of very skilled activities but again coupled with the human in order to sort of take new developments and creative creative ideas forward Mm -hmm. so i think what i get excited about actually is the power of technology to give more choice Mm -hmm. to give more choice to the next generations that are coming to workforce new tools Mm-hmm. how they can engage a lot more. Um, I think in the sense of even I, I, I'm sort of a big believer in the power of face to face and being together and for people to learn off each other and to have the mentorship and support that they need.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but it is mm-hmm. it is exciting to see how technology can help more efficiency and more open up more international connections mm-hmm. and I think just give more choice mm-hmm. to the next generation around the different types of roles they can do and how creative they can be.
0: Now, finally, Carolyn, I'd like to end on a question which kind of takes us outside of founders forum, if you like, and I'd really like you to, to see if you can tell me who you think is doing a great job right now, whether it's a, a business or an individual, of winning the trust of their key audiences.
1: I I think what we're seeing, and, and I'm encouraged by this actually, is that despite probably quite a pace in change in the growth, that actually some of our largest technology players have, have had some humility around that perhaps the growth story has changed slightly mm-hmm. and picking up the mantle for the responsibility and accountability that they have for the platforms and the technologies that they're developing. Mm-hmm. And I think that only actually seeks to serve to, to build the trust for the ecosystem mm-hmm. in general. But there hasn't, you know, they haven't. I think shied away from some of the challenges they now face as businesses, and that perhaps what we're seeing is a more realistic view of the market, mm-hmm. as opposed to sort of co- we're coming out of a period of sort of endless growth. Mm-hmm. And that's encouraging for me.
0: Yeah, and so exciting as well. Um, thank you so much. Uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to end the podcast there. But but Caroline Dawson, CEO of Founders Forum, thank you so much for joining us for our Leaders in Action podcast. ご視聴ありがとうございました